like three dollars so i'm sure it's accurate <laughs> really that's a really stylish watch for three dollars um so this is the soybean pest podcast i'm matt o'neill hi i'm aaron hodson hi aaron hi wow, wow so uh we're back from uh cleveland yeah we spent a total of 20 what two hours in the car together and we're still talking yay so. <laughs> <laughs> there were some moments of not talking <laughs> I thought I just thought you hated me. <laughs> At the end, to be honest, be honest, seriously. At the, the last two hours, well, you, you could have been anywhere but that car. No, well, you're, you know, you're driving west. You're looking into the sun for about you know five hours mm-hmm. um, as the sun is setting, and my eyeballs just got tired. <laughs> but you didn't sleep. No, no. Um, oh, hey, special guest, who's that knocking at the door? Come on in. It's Hi. Shelby Pritchard. Shelby's delivering some news. Yeah, so they were found on the Susceptible Roundup Ready. Susceptible Roundup Ready. So Yeah, we're podcasting. So that's oh a gosh. spoiler alert. <laughs> spoiler alert. Shelby Whoops. found the first aphids in Story County. First soybean aphids yeah. in uh, nice. Story County. And they were she's, a, she's a master's student with, with you, and uh, she has projects kind of in several locations in Iowa, and... She, wh- when did you find aphids? Yesterday? Yes. Yesterday. Wow. And some small plot stuff that we have set up at the Johnson Farm, which is just south of Ames. So how many did you find? Nine. Nine, nine total? Yes. Nice. Were, were they wingless? Oh, my God. Yes. Get nice. the children indoors. <laughs> <laughs> Quick. <laughs> well, thank you. That's great. Um, we were just about to talk about some pest updates. So. And that's our first one. Yeah. It's very exciting. Yeah. Um, thank you. Yeah, thanks, now Shelby. Now get back to work. <laughs> so in, in addition to Shelby's um, eagle eyes, uh, my technician Greg found five aphids at the Northeast Farm near Nashua, all mm-hmm. on one For plant. For those keeping score at home, that's now 14 That's aphids. 14. Um, in addition, Brian Lang, who is a field agronomist near Decorah, Iowa, you know, he the always finds aphids. Yeah, he always finds aphids, usually the first week of, of June. Yeah. And he basically found out the same day that we did. And um, he sampled last week, and then he sampled this week. And I think, I think I sent you that message. And those are people on the phone right now calling, telling us. No, they're not telling us that. Um, it's, it's an I think he, right I think he said something like the population went from a half. Half, half, or a half a percent infestation to four percent. So he was. So a matter I, if, of I, days. if I remember right, the data he shared with you, the first time that he went out, he looked at like two hundred plants, and the next time he went out, he he, he looked at a hundred. Yeah. And in reducing the number of plants, he I mean, he saw even greater infestation. Now, yeah. great is. A bit of a hyperbole. I mean, it's not like those plants were dripping with aphids, yeah. but it was interesting that um, he saw an increase. Mm-hmm. And it's not just in the number of aphids per plant, but plants with aphids. Yeah, so I, I don't think it's too unusual for Brian to find plant to find aphids with plants in that area, but it is unusual for us to find soybean aphids in central Iowa that early. So yeah. Shelby, um, yeah. you know, I, I'm sure they're looking at a lot of plants because we always do. But even to find an aphid really in this area is uh, not normal. So um, maybe... Unusual. It, Let's it, say unusual. It's unusual. It's, yeah. a, it's a little bit early. 
maybe not too unexpected given the warm spring that we had. You know, March was maybe a really good time for those aphids still in buckthorn. Yeah, so uh, nothing to get like worried about. No. But it is uh, interesting and it's the start of us tracking this pest that yeah. can cause yield loss to soybeans. Um, Do you want to hear about some other things that I've been hearing about? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, of course. So um, my crew has been finding a few more bean leaf beetles and than, than we normally find because usually it's almost kind of hard to find bean yeah. leaf beetles even when we purposely plant things very early to kind of draw them in mm -hmm. from their overwintering uh, habitat. And um, a few of the surrounding states have also noted just a few more bean leaf beetles than they normally would too. That's on that e extension entomology teleconference uh -huh. on a Monday. So again, nothing that's uh, economic level or, you know, treatable, but just noticing a few more. So this would be the first generation of bean leaf beetles? These are the beetles that came from the overwintering? They're the overwintering, yeah. Oh, no, these are the overwintering? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. really? Mm -hmm. That seems a little, uh, that seems remarkable to me. I would have thought the overwintering generation would have come out back in May, maybe April. Yeah, they're, I think they're still there. Wow, okay. Yeah. And so... Any teneral ones? No. Okay. No. Um, teneral? For those keeping who are at home, soft, sort of milky white appearance on an adult insect because its exoskeleton hasn't fully hardened. Yeah, I wouldn't expect first generation adults to come out until maybe like mid July, oh, okay. and then the second generation would be like September. Um, I mean, that's certainly there's some flexibility with yeah. that, but that's just another indication to me that we had kind of a mild winter because we're just seeing a few more yeah, bean leaf yeah. beetles than we normally would and they're they're susceptible to cold temperatures sure. so um, you may see a few more of those than if you're looking and scouting seedling soybeans and these aren't actionable no populations no not at all um, yeah so the not to belabor the point but if they were teneral that would give you some idea that they were newly emerging the overwintering generation those are going to be the adults that you know, literally live through the winter and they're fully mature, they're ready to go. Um, they're noticeable in soybeans, especially like the first planted and merged soybeans because they're hungry. And so hungry. Yeah. Like I am right now. <laughs> I, you know, I didn't eat breakfast this morning because I was rushing to get here to yeah. the podcast. And <laughs> I, I have to get something after this. Um, a few other things that might be noteworthy because I feel like a lot of the, the people that listen to this podcast, um, all four of you, you know, if you're growing soybean, <laughs> if you're growing soybean or you're, you know, part of your responsibilities is to scout soybean, I'm assuming you also would be interested in corn as well. And so some things the that other are, crop. <laughs> the, the other, the other field crop, um, some things that are happening right now that might be of interest to, um, to you is that, um, Corn rootworm egg hatch is happening all over the state. And you know how you know that? Not true. It, not true. It is. The lightning bugs. It's not. It's, it's it proven is. to be not true. It is true. But no, they're, in a, they're in a, they're totally different beetles. No, but the, it's just a correlation. It's not, did you see fireflies? I did. That's a, Actually, like an old wives tale. No, and, we, and to be to be honest, to be fair, honest, whatever, we saw them last week. My daughter saw the first one of the summer for yeah. us, and she's like, literally one. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think. Old wives tale, just to yeah, the listeners. But, uh, when you see the first lightning bugs, that's 
correlated with uh, egg hatch or rootworms in the soil. Yeah. That's all that is. So it, it's important to think about egg hatch because, I mean, pretty soon the larvae are going to be feeding on the roots. Mm. And um, we encourage everybody to scout and assess root injury while it's fresh. So scouting, you know, three to four weeks after egg hatch is yeah. ideal. If you wait until September, there's a lot of things that happen. Well, there's regrowth. Regrowth. Um, and it's very difficult to know if it's corn rootworm or something else. So, and um, and you're not you're not saying this because somebody's going to go out look at root injury and then say spray insecticide in the you know soil or whatever. You're, you're doing this because you want to determine if what you did at planting is having an effect. Right. Yeah, there, to my knowledge, there really aren't. There are no rescue treatments for larvae, you know, yeah. after planting, and so it is. It is to help make decisions about seed, uh, seed selection, uh, insecticides, all that for the following growing right. season. And yeah. and this is really critical, right? Because if you have injury on your, say, your BT corn, any um, corn. Well, sure. Yeah. But I was thinking BT. That might be an indication that you got a population now that's resistant to that trait and. Mm-hmm. Got to do some what head scratching, soul searching to determine if yeah. you need a new trait, a new variety. If you need, and basically, if you're getting root injury scores over a half, that's just a couple of nodes that have injury. You should be doing something else next year, either rotating the corn um, or uh, using a soil insecticide or a pyramided um, variety. So yeah, my that's, office has never been busier. I know. People yeah. just want nothing. But your attention. This guy doesn't know it, but he's on a podcast he is right now. now. What's your name, sir? Adam. Sorry. Adam. Are you on the track team, Adam? No, I was. Do you work uh, out? No. no, I just kidding. Oh. <laughs> I think that's it. Just uh, no, I just got some handouts delivered for my field day today, oh, so I appreciate it. Yep, that. thank you. Sorry, Don't worry. So what's the handout? Um, I'm um, having a field day today. Um, dude, at hot. Yeah, I mean, he was like, he was working out. Yeah. I, I, the tight shirt didn't hurt either, but, um, well, yeah. But the, the thing, they should, it's like they should have been given like 20 pound weights to carry with this. Not, not 50 pages of paper. Yeah. Yeah. What the, um, there's a field day today at, at Feel, the, the demo lab between Ames and Boone. And this is a clinic that is, um, uh, supported by Bex hybrids uh-huh. so it's a private clinic and uh-huh. so they're they're bringing in a few of us from Iowa State to do some some stops um, some uh, there are 45 minute stops and then they're gonna go and visit you know a couple different stations mm. throughout the year or uh, throughout the day so has anybody ever uh, rented out fuel for a private party a party yeah like a wedding mm. no that would be a little mm. weird well, it's Maybe a little weird. It's, it's okay for field days. I wouldn't want to. But not for. I wouldn't want to wear a wedding dress out there. It'd be hot. Oh, and comfortable. Yeah. I'm totally. guessing the the guys and gals from backs aren't dressed formally. No, I hope I hope not. It's a hands on. Yeah. yeah, I hope they get out there and, and kick the tires, as they say. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, so oh, so back to what we were talking about: corn rootworm egg hatch. Um, also, for those people that don't um, are yeah, trying some non traded corn above ground traits. Yeah. Corn, uh, European corn borer egg hatch is happening right now. So this is the first generation. So egg hatch, um, that's the time to scout is when you see eggs and first and second instars mm-hmm. because they're mm-hmm. not mobile, really. Mm-hmm. And so if the, the larvae get larger, they can hide in the Go corn and, the corn, and, and yeah. really hard to treat. So if you or your clients have non-traded corn, now is the time to scout to see if you have any type of pressure. And 
we've talked about this, I think, before. Some farmers are starting to back off on using traded, mm -hmm. I like the traded, uh, seed or yeah. corn um, in an effort to save money. Oh, yeah. And there is some science behind this in that um, the use of traded, <laughs> a BT corn that's resistant to corn borers, is, you know, that, that use was so strong and pervasive that farmers that didn't use it were still getting protection. Yeah, there's kind of a landscape. Suppression. Yeah. I, I think right. sometimes called area-wide suppression. Yeah. Uh, such that the farms around the traded corn uh, get some protection. Yeah. And now it looks like some farmers are starting to sort of experiment with that. They're like, yeah, how much do I actually need? And right. It's expensive. And back. so if they can back off on some of the input costs, you mm -hmm. know, the, the trade-off might be more scouting. And so that's why I just try to give some of those, you know, reminders for, because every season's a little bit different, yeah. you know, based on temperatures. Yeah. So now is the time to go look. Oh, man. What else? Are there any other insect pests? I, I had a weird one yesterday. Not oh, an insect. Okay. I mean, I always get a couple oh, weird ones. But um, there was a field near near Charles City, which is also kind of near Nashua in northeastern Iowa. Mm -hmm. And it was a 120-acre field that had cornfield that had significant loss from millipedes. What? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh my goodness. For yeah. those for uh, for those in the know, this would be a Ron Hammond special. <laughs> Ron Hammond, re now retired entomologist, field crop entomologist out of uh, Ohio State University, would always come with reports about these millipedes and slugs and snails yeah, and things. Just the yeah. craziest things. Yeah. yeah and so, what? you know, I tried to do some digging, and basically they had a couple questions. They wanted to know if the BT traits work for for millipedes. No. no. <laughs> they wanted to know if, Wrong. yeah, well, Next. They, <laughs> well, I mean, that seemed like pretty obvious, but then they were asking about insecticides, either the seed treatment or, um, you know, soil application, yeah. soil applied insecticides for millipedes and everything that I could find, because I don't have direct experience is that they don't work very well. Yeah. Probably not surprising yeah. given they're not insects. Um, but well, you know, I, yeah, yeah. yeah and so that. They were asking why this field. They had twenty percent stand loss because of these millipedes. What? Just, uh, That's just a so ton. So you would see this from the roadside. You'd be yeah, like, Whoa, yeah, stand nice. loss, and um, they could see as they were pulling up plants. Like the millipedes were all over the the seed. Um, they were um, this the the uh, the primary roots that grow out of the seed. Like they're just all over those things. So just a couple questions about this because I don't know. Yeah, right? uh, this is the first time I've heard. Yeah, this uh, was that field something other than corn and soybean last year it was uh continuous corn oh well blew that yeah because <laughs> that, that's that was his question because he said i have fields using the same corn hybrids yeah some are in continuous corn some are corn soybean did he put manure down did he treat the no field? it was uh high residue so a no-till field uh -huh. and um that was the only thing that i could think of is that but things like millipedes slugs snails isopods when they're they're planted in roly cool with, yeah they're yeah it's a bad equal roly polies. <laughs> um, when they're planted when corn is planted into cool wet soils and with a high residue that's when we tend to see the injury yeah. from those did pests. he plant early yeah it was planted like june or what do you say it was planted april april 20th or something like that and um it's not that early for corn but he said it, it was kind of slow growing yeah and it was pretty cool did yeah we, we got a little bit of warmth and then it got cold again yeah so it basically said the seeds were sitting in the ground not yeah, germinating for a while and that's, so that's a problem you know he was asking about 
not necessarily this year because yeah. you know there's nothing he can there's no rescue treatment for millipedes um, but what about next year and yeah. so you so know that's sitting in the soil yeah. and if they didn't germinate quickly and up, take up any I, I, any of the seed treatment but again I don't know if that seed treatment would have that much of an effect on millipedes I couldn't find anything that said they offered yeah. suppression that's really interesting yeah and, and he's like why, why millipedes now and the only thing I could think of is again that wild winter did are, are millipedes susceptible to cold temperatures and just more of them happen to survive because I wouldn't think millipedes are very mobile like well, why, why were they all in yeah. that field when I mean, you said high residue I mean, it sounds like this guy's probably had a lot of experience using a no-till yeah. uh, system and yeah, is it just that unlucky combination of a bunch of events that yeah. Made it this field. I think so. Um, or was it, you know, is it a sign of things to come in yeah. that you get milder winters and you got, you know, no till and you keep practicing that and you build up mm -hmm. soil residue mm -hmm. and now you're going to start seeing some of these, um, what, what do they call them, emerging pests? Yeah, and, and I, for, you know, what I could, I had to do a little homework on this. They have, a, their their lifespan is over a couple of years, mm -hmm. kind of like wireworms. So, mm -hmm. You're right. Is it a, if you're continuing with some of those practices, are you going to have those pests that kind of linger for a couple of years, mm -hmm. um, like you might for wireworms? So we or don't grubs. really think of millipedes as pests, right? No, I, I mean, mean they're detritivores yes. basically. They eat yeah. dead, decaying things. Yeah. So if those seeds were, you know, kind of laying in the soil, not really developing, I mean, I, I'm not saying I know the mind of a millipede, but <laughs> you know, I maybe confuse that, you know slow-growing yeah. uh, seedling as something dead and decaying. That, that's exact, because yeah. I think and of them plus as... plus there's all that soil residue that yeah. they feed on as well. So. I mean, I think of them as, as kind of like, not like true chewing mouthboards, but more like scrapers. Yeah. I mean, they're just kind of, yeah. like you said, they're breaking down organic yeah. matter, so they don't necessarily have the same kind of mouthparts as we would think of like So again, beetle. we don't think of millipedes as being herbivores right. in the way that, say, you know, a caterpillar or a beetle or, yeah. you know... So yeah, it's yeah. it's really it, it's. Uh, and I hadn't heard of anything else ever about millipedes, so yeah. I don't know if this this guy was just unlucky. I, or... I have heard. So I, I remember a couple of years ago, um, there was a couple of cases where we've had pictures of, from farmers showing millipedes feeding on um, seeds or seedlings, and one of the factors that that you haven't mentioned that came up in the, this previous sort of millipede outbreak was. Uh, standing water, oh, okay. not uh, not ponding, but there was a lot of moisture, and the seeds. What we think happened in that case was the seeds started rotting. Mm. They just they, they were dead, mm -hmm. you know, and that the millipede damage was mm. sort of well, that was secondary. Yeah. That came after the plant. Had, had, yeah, interesting. You know. I don't know if that would have been the case yeah. here. You know, if he had some like it, it, he said it was twenty percent of the field. Yeah. Was there some patchiness to it such that maybe it was the low lying areas where? It was a little bit more moist, and mm -hmm. maybe those seeds were already dead. Yeah. Well, I asked the same thing. I was like, well, there were there certain pockets that were like low-lying, standing water? And he's like, yes. And, you know, and so it wasn't exactly like 20% yeah. uniform right. in the field. It right. was sort of patchy. And right. so... So that, that may... What he may be seeing then is not a millipede problem, but a drainage problem mm -hmm. that is made visual by... It's exacerbated by millipedes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Boy, you know, when people want millipede conversation, when they want <laughs> the hard-cutting hot takes on uh, millipede uh, 
you know, outbreaks. This is where they come. I Th- found there's out. There's no other place on the internet. No, Think and how I, big the internet is. Well. And we are the only ones that are willing. We, I found out this fun this fact. Topic. You know, um, they millipedes are not insects, but they're in a, they're closely related arthropods called. Ooh, another hot take. Mm-hmm. Millipedes. Not insects. We're willing. We're the only ones on the internet yeah. willing to say that. A, a podcast about millipedes, and they're in the the class that they're called is diplopods. Uh huh. And so, someone who studies millipedes is called a diplopod. <laughs> I can't so say close. it. So Diplopodologist or something oh. like that. I, I, and I was like, entomology is hard enough. What if you're a Diplopodus. diplopod guy? I mean, you almost stuck the dismount. There. Yes. <laughs> Just to, to just to kind of wrap that that thought up, I wrote a little blog about millipedes, oh, okay. and I showed some of the injury that uh-huh. um, we were seeing. Um, uh-huh. That uh-huh. I I got a few pictures, and then I also have some information about isopods, the oh. roly polies, and snails, and um, a few other things. So I'm going to connect those to this podcast. So if you want to see some pictures Great. of what they might look like, that might be helpful to awesome. you if 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 you haven't seen really millipedes in the field. Oh, that's fun. That'd yeah. Be... So again. Could have been built up because of soil residue and all. Could also be sort of secondary to the the loss of the seed because of yeah. poor drainage. Yep, um, absolutely. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. Uh, how are we doing on time? We, we, we just We're just about 20 minutes time. in. 20 minutes. Yeah, so it just flies by wrap. when you talk about millipedes. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe we should have talked about that in the 20 hours we spent in the car. <laughs> more legs, more problems. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you think this is easy? Not <laughs> All easy. this coordination. Um, new student Erica. We should uh, say officially we have a new student. Erica Rodbell from uh, New York. St. Lawrence University. Came all the way out last week. New York City? <laughs> well, no, it was Schenectady, but close. Well, yeah. Um, with your dad. Yeah. Drove out. Um, they came on quite possibly the hottest oh, day. What a brutal day to start. Yeah. yeah. And no one more cheerful, more positive. It almost they makes are, you sad for what's going to happen in the next two and a half years. Because we're like, okay, start digging trenches. Yeah. <laughs> that I was like her first day. Oh, and then I saw her. She was just dusted. She was covered in dirt. And I was like, wow, you, you, you know, how's it going? She's great. I love field work. Oh, <laughs> you are. They are not same. very common. People that really enjoy to be outside. Yeah. So yeah. I appreciate her. She's off to a good start. Yeah. Um, We'll have to bring her in and have her talk about her sort work, of her, yeah. Yeah, her setup yeah. and everything. Oh, so much. Uh, and then uh, plug for not this Saturday, but next Saturday, the 25th, Pollinator Fest, where uh, so many things go At on. At Ryman Gardens and Ames. Yep, 10 to 3-ish. Yeah. Uh, honey tasting. The honeybee queen uh, is coming. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's coming. Nice. Um, there'll be bees under glass doing their bee thing in an observation hive. Um, just a day to celebrate not only bees, but other pollinators. Uh, there'll be a group out uh, from the Monarch Consortium going to talk about how to conserve monarchs. So mm-hmm. bring the kids. Should be great. And the Ryman Gardens this summer is doing their, um, uh, what is it, the Lego block sculptures. Oh, the, for exhibits. Yeah. yeah. So those, they're all new, going to be all around the They're the gigantic. Yeah. 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 I haven't seen them yet. I'm kind of excited. So uh, that's pretty good. That was a good. That was a good pod. That yeah, was I was. Good. I was just saying one thing. One so um, there's it, more. If if you're a faithful listener, you know that we've kind of changed the format to this new website. And um, if you want to keep in touch with us, you can subscribe via iTunes, Stitcher, 
Pocket Cast. Did we get that worked out with the iTunes? I think so. And so um, if you subscribe, the new episodes get automatically pushed to the device that you normally listen to. So, fantastic. Yeah. I hope you guys like the new little widget we made with some hey, of the chapters. Hey, thanks to John Van Dyke yeah. and... Uh, uh, what's the, the the IT group uh, uh, over in Entomology. They did a fantastic job. Yeah, they helped us out really and nice. it looks great, so we appreciate it. All right, well, that's okay. it. Okay. Done and done. Done and done. Thank you. Okay. Bye.